Hey, Mike here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Dark Poutine early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You're about to listen to a historical episode of Dark Poutine. After episode 149, you will find Scott is no longer with the show. In an effort to maintain continuity and offer listeners as many episodes as possible, we are leaving the episodes in which he co-hosted intact. Thank you. Hi, this is Bryce and Kyla from Meridicide Podcast. And you're listening to Dark Putin, a podcast about Canada's creepier side with hosts Mike and Scott. Thanks to Bryce and Kyla from the Meridicide Podcast for that intro. Excuse my voice today because I have had a crazy cough for the last three weeks. Anyway, uh, thank you again, Bryce and Kyla. We'll, we'll uh, link to your show in our show notes. And Kyla pronounced Putin correctly, as these folks are fellow Canadians. I happen to be a lazy fellow Canadian who just pronounced it the English way, Putin. And that brings us to Welcome to Dark Poutine. I'm Mike Brown, creator and host with me as usual, is my good friend, co-host, sound guy, and receiver of death threats, Scott Hemingway. All of the above, yeah. All of the above. That's me. That is you. Yeah. Let's get to it. Dark Poutine is not for the faint of heart or squeamish, as our content contains mature themes, harsh language, and graphic descriptions of violent crimes. Listener discretion is strongly advised. We are not experts on any of the topics we present, nor are we professional journalists. The dark tales we tell most often take place within Canada and always include Canadians. Sorry. The dark tales we tell most often take place within Canada and always include Canadians. So put on your toque, grab yourself a double-double and an animal bar. It's time to scarf down some dark poutine. After some hard-learned insights and a bit of perspective, we've changed up the format slightly to keep our with our story flow. We'll keep our shout-outs and other business until later in the show. All of our usual content is here. We're just doing it in a different order. In this episode, we're taking on a tragic case that happened outside Canada in Fayetteville, Georgia. But we're keeping with the rules of dark poutine that I mentioned above. It has to include either include a Canadian or have happened in Canada. And this one includes a Canadian. His yep. name was Chris Benoit, also known as the Canadian Crippler. He was a professional wrestler. Over three days between June 22nd and June 25th, 2007, Chris Benoit murdered his second wife, Nancy, and their seven-year-old son, Daniel, before taking his own life. Hmm. Yeah, I had no idea it was a three-day three, three day, uh, event. Yep. That's just terrifying. Yep. In his wrestling career, Benoit held heavyweight titles in both WWE and WCW, Professional Wrestling's Premier Leagues mm-hmm. in the United States. When the media grabbed hold of the story, Benoit's crimes became a huge news event. 
Well, the wrestling world in shock today. Former champion Chris Benoit found dead in his Atlanta home along with his wife and young son. Police now treating the discovery as a double murder-suicide. World Wrestling Entertainment says Benoit failed to show for two live events over the weekend and apparently at least one suspicious text message sent to friends prompted wrestling officials to send police to his house. Wrestling fans were shocked. Chris Benoit's friends and his remaining family were left reeling in disbelief. He carried his son on a pedestal. He loved that boy. You can watch any pay-per-view event. Anytime he went a match, he had his son in the ring with him. And I just cannot fathom the idea that this, that he done anything to this family. Christopher Michael Benoit was born in Montreal, Quebec on May 21, 1967 to Margaret and Michael Benoit. His family moved to Edmonton, Alberta when Chris was just a baby. When he was six years old, he was in a car accident in which his head hit the windshield of the car. He was hospitalized for three days at that time with a suspected concussion, or MTBI, which is mild traumatic brain injury. He bounced back and it did not show any lasting effects from the incident. I fell down the stairs in my walker. You did? Yes, I did. Uh, so the basement stairs, yeah. uh, the door, yeah. uh, would open if you nudged it hard enough and and it opened and down i went holy in my cow water, and i ended up getting conked out when i was a kid wow yeah on the cement floor that that explains a lot oh boy does it ever <clears throat> yep chris became interested in professional wrestling at an early age his father said he was obsessed chris watched stampede wrestling from calgary on tv as much as he could you remember stampede wrestling scott oh hell yeah yeah, yeah. uh you mentioned uh Something yeah. about your mom? Yeah, my mom grew up in Calgary and uh, went to school with uh, a lot of the kids from the Hart family, all the 78 of them, or however many yeah, there, there were. There were a lot. Yeah. So uh, Chris Benoit's future heroes were Bret Hart, who was probably one of those kids yep. from the legendary professional wrestling Hart family, and Tom Dynamite Kid Billington, who went on to be half of the British Bulldogs chap championship tag team duo. Pro wrestling in those days was not as slick Hollywood production that Vince McMahon later made it with the WWF, now WWE Empire. At its heart, professional wrestling is a gladiator sport. In its glory days, it was gritty and bloody. They even bit each other. Mm -hmm. People were tossed out of the ring, faces were smashed against tables and turnbuckles, and folding chairs were crashed down on people's heads. Professional wrestling drew in the masses who were looking for a hero to worship and a villain to boo. Everybody loves a good heel. Oh, yeah. As a boy, I, too, watched wrestling at home in Nova Scotia every Saturday afternoon. Atlantic Canada's Grand Prix wrestling was on our TV, and I loved it. I remember a wrestler named Randy Savage, who became the Atlantic Grand Prix Wrestling International Heavyweight Champion in 1978. It's a mouthful. Yes. He took the title from his real life younger brother, Leaping Lanny Poffo. Remember that guy? Oh, I, I, I can't say I remember. I remember that name. It was always, I quite loved it. Well, both of these guys went on to be WWF superstars. Lanny became the genius and Randy, of course. We all very much remember him as the legendary Macho Man. Oh, yeah. Well, what is it? Bite into a Slim Jim or what did he say so? I, yeah, I, I don't, don't think remember. it was either of those. There was something to do with Slim Jims. Sure. Sure. I don't know if it was bite into it. But. Well, anyway. There were others who stood out too. Uh, 
in the Atlantic Grand Prix wrestling, uh, especially the villain, villains, villains. Yeah, they're also cool. Villains? Yeah, I love the villains. Yeah, Great family. The, yeah, it's a good band. Yeah, yeah. Namely, the wild-haired, bearded, and crazy-eyed Cuban assassin who I saw carried off a stretcher live in the Bridgewater Memorial Arena. What happened? Well, he was going to do like a, a dive off the corner. Yeah. And he slipped and he bashed his balls on the turnbuckle. <laughs> what? So Sweeney's Ambulance had to come and take him away. <laughs> Sweeney's Ambulance? Sweeney's Ambulance. Well, because it was private ambulance services at that time. So you oh, in Bridgewater, if you hurt yourself, it was either Wombax or Sweeney's that came to game. <laughs> Sweeney's came. Yeah. And Patrick Sweeney was the, uh, was one of the uh, paramedics. This is very informative. It's a family affair. It's a va- Let's get back to his smashed nuts. No. No. Anyway, yeah, he was he was really in pain. It did not look good. It might have yeah. been fake. I don't know. You know how wrestling is. I don't think they would uh, take you off in an ad, whatever. How do I know? Yeah. It was a, you know, it was a, a different time. Speaking of a different time, here's one. Uh, one of the villains that I really dug was Carl von Krupp. Okay. Uh, or Killer Carl Krupp. Mm-hmm. And he would goose step around the ring, giving the Nazi salute. And he subdued his opponents with the German German claw. I call it the claw. Doing the German claw. Yes, his initials were KKK. I didn't make the connection at the time because I was just an innocent kid. Yeah. How do, how do you think that would go over now, Mike? I don't think that would go so good. Well, I uh, there's a I, sadly I think there is a percentage out there who would uh, support him now, but I, I it, it's hard to imagine that that was actually it's like a, a goose thing. stepping around a he did a that. ring, yeah, like uh yeah. So he uh, he wore like he had like his jack boots and he would just goose step around. But we all, there there was all if you when you go back to those days there was the Iron Sheik like the, it was all full yep. of stereotypes. Yep. Well, it was a different era. Yeah. Carl, who was born George Momberg, uh, he was originally from the Netherlands, obviously playing a character. I'm told he was a pretty nice guy, and he lived his final days in an apartment above a pizzeria in Moncton, New Brunswick, and we talked about Moncton and the Mountie murders. Yeah, we did. That's kind of how I want to go out living above a pizzeria. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like easy pizza access. It makes sense. You know what? There's actual logic in your... Uh, idiocy? I, you, you called it idiocy. I did not. I did, no. Yep, you yeah. did. Scott, Scott doesn't feel good about himself. Well, I'd feel better if I lived above a pizzeria. Certainly. Uh, it's easy to see how an impressionable youngster could become obsessed with becoming a wrestler. I mean, you get oh, to fly yeah. around, you get to hit your little brother. Yeah. Like all that kind of, kind of stuff. Which is all the stuff we love to do as children. Yeah. Well, minus the traveling around the world, but you know what I mean. Exactly. So Michael Benoit took his 12-year-old son, Chris, to his first Stampede wrestling match uh, where he saw his heroes live. He saw Bret Hart and he saw the Dynamite Kid live. So no longer they were mythical figures on a TV show. They Mm. were actual folks that he was like, he could see right in front of him. Yeah. And from that moment on, Chris Benoit was possessed with the desire to be a professional wrestler. He got his first set of weights for Christmas uh, that year. Uh, his dad, Michael, set up a weight room for him, and he spent every day uh, in there from that point on. Mm-hmm. Fitness was paramount. He didn't eat junk food or go out and mess around much with the other kids. 
He just wanted to work out and fulfill his dream of becoming a professional wrestler. He played football, too, for about five years, but wrestling was his first love. <laughs> Chris Benoit won awards as a bodybuilder and an amateur wrestler throughout high school. So he sounds like... He's very dedicated. Dedicated. Very, guy, very dedicated and driven. He was known as one of the hardest working wrestlers in the business. Like, yeah. Everything, everything that I read about him, him people yeah. thought he was a super hardworking guy. I'm the anti-him. Yes, you are. Yeah. 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 I, I, I consist, my, I sustain myself basically off of Doritos and, uh, and, and sour candies. Oh my God. You give me a sour suiter. You're oh. skinny fat. I know I've said it before, uh, but. You know, it's just fact. Yeah. You, it's fact. You are skinny fat. I embrace it. Yep. Anyways, back to. Although billed at 5'10", sources say he was really 5'8", which is short for a wrestler. Uh, Benoit had to compensate somehow. Uh, I guess we would never be wrestlers, either of us. No. Because we are rather minuscule. No, no, steroids wouldn't help me at all. No. No. Not, height-wise, it's not going to do a thing. Maybe some tall boots? I could be, what could my wrestling name be? Scott, the Petite Hemingway. The Petite. Maybe. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know what I would be. Like Oompa Loompa Loompa or something. Wait, who's the killer that everybody says you you can keep comparing Ed yourself? Kemper. Yeah. Mike Kemper Brown. No, I'm not Ed, Ed, Edmund Kemper. Oh, boy. So it isn't known exactly when Chris Benoit started to use steroids, but he started getting larger at this time uh, extremely. So some people believe it was actually in high school he began pumping himself full of drugs to make himself bigger. Like he won awards and that kind of stuff for yeah, yeah, bodybuilding. I could, so I could, I could, I could, I could see that. I, I knew some people who were pretty uh, into uh, mm -hmm. uh, synthetics and whatnot for, yep. for weightlifting at, in high school. So. Yep, me too. Even in uh, so little tiny Nova Scotia. Yeah, steroid use is well known to be widespread in the professional wrestling. Wrestling. <laughs> there, I did it. Whistling. That's professional whistling. whistling? <laughs> Yeah. No, Wesley. That's the next it's shirt. professional Westwing. <laughs> uh, so steroid use is well known to be widespread in the professional wrestling community by guys who couldn't keep up otherwise. Later records and a posthumous medical examination showed evidence that Benoit had been a steroid user, a very serious one. Mm. If you can't beat him, join him. Yeah. At 18, Chris Benoit drove from Edmonton to Calgary in his rusted gremlin. Remember those? Oh, I sadly do. I, I love Gremlins. I'm old enough. Yep. Uh, there, he went to study professional wrestling with the legendary coach, Stu Hart. Mm-hmm. Operator of Stampede Wrestling and father of both famed wrestlers, Brett and Owen Hart. And yeah, Stu, oh. Stu's an icon yeah. of, of Canadian wrestling at least, but I would, I would hazard to say wrestling. wrestling yeah. I would say. Yeah. Because, you know, the Hart's training facility uh, in the basement of their mansion, it was known as the Dungeon, and as well as his two sons and the Dynamite Kid and Chris Benoit, Stu Hart trained many other famous wrestlers, and Jake the Snake Roberts was one of them. Yeah, one of, uh, one of my fave. The DDT. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. My all-time fave. I have I, Scottish heritage, would, so that was... I would say Rowdy Roddy Piper is also my favorite yeah. wrestler. And a little known, well, maybe not a little known, fat, uh, 
uh, Ronda Rousey, Rowdy Ronda Rousey, Rowdy Ronda Rousey. Her she got her name from from Rowdy Ronda. Yeah, Piper. and wow. he he actually like, he actually said you can you can use it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, like have you ever seen They Live? Oh, I came here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, oh. and I'm all out of bubble gum. That's right. Or Hell Comes to Frog Town, another one. Oh my God! Where I so forgot he that. He is the last uh, man who is uh, fertile. Oh my God! And and they keep his wiener yeah. behind a. Uh, I um, know. I I remember. Yeah. I just I, that I hadn't thought about that movie for twenty years. Well, you can watch it on my iTunes account if you'd like, because I do own it. Well, now. How about them apples? <laughs> yeah. So as well as those awesome wrestlers, uh, also the Honky Tonk Man. Remember him? Oh, absolutely. Yep. yep. Edge. Don't, and, don't know him. And Junkyard Dog. Junkyard. Uh, oh, yeah. I love Junkyard Dog, too. Yeah. So they were some of the notables who owed their careers to the late Stu Hart. Yeah. Chris Benoit took his first nickname from his hero, Dynamite Kid, calling himself Dynamite Chris Benoit. Very original. <laughs> But, you know, wrestlers aren't known for their creativity, I don't think. If any wrestlers are listening, I don't agree with Mike. Right. I just said that as a joke. I don't need to be killed. Uh, so anyway, uh, Chris Benoit copied a lot of the kids' moves too, but as he grew as a wrestler, he began to form his own confident perf persona and energetic wrestling style. So like any artist, because I do believe it as actually an art, mm -hmm. um, it's an entertainment art. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you do eventually develop your own style of doing things, like yep. podcasting. Yep. Eventually, we will become a podcast that is its own thing, rather than just a ripoff of every other crime podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't give the secret sauce away. No. There's no sauce. Uh, it's very dry. Uh, Benoit won his debut match on November 22nd, 1985 in Calgary, Alberta. Chris Benoit's... I'm not slagging Calgary or Edmonton tonight. Did you notice? Yeah, wh why is that? Because some guy told me to F off on Twitter. Yeah, and where is he from? Edmonton. Yeah. And he's a steel worker. He's a big guy. Yeah. And, and I, I said some things back. Mike, leave the death threats to me. Okay. All right. Anyway... So Chris Benoit's youthful energy and athleticism was a hit with Stampede Wrestling fans. Mm -hmm. Chris Benoit met and married his first wife around this time, and they had their children, David, in 1993, and Megan in 1997. Nice. That, that was the year they divorced. Oh. <laughs> Benoit went on to win his first title, Stampede British Commonwealth Mid-Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Against Gamma Singh. Why can't they just say, like, I guess they need a title for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so you kind of the you way know, wrestling yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. So Intercontinental uh, champion. Yeah, exactly. Inter, inter species. Yeah. Sure. 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 Interspecies. Interspecies. Half alien. Yeah. Right. Half so wrestling. Alligator wrestling. <laughs> so he, he won against Gamma Singh on March 18th, 1988 in Calgary and mm. 89 when Stampede Wrestling was closing up shop. Chris Benoit continued to have the desire to make a name for himself. Mm -hmm. So he headed off to Japan to the new Japan Pro Wrestling League. <laughs> First, he wrestled under his own name, uh, then wearing a mask, which he hated. He wrestled under the name Pegasus Kid, and I actually hate that name. That does not seem at all intimidating. No. I'm the Pegasus Kid. I, I know it's not this, but it makes me think of Porpoise. 
And like, how how could a porpoise be intimidating? Well, a Pegasus isn't that like a a horse with wings? I think so. Yeah, I'm a horse with wings. Also, not a fearing. Uh, it's like a yeah, like a unicorn. Yep. He's a, he's a mythical entity a creature in Japan. Yeah, perhaps. You've watched Japanese commercials. Oh, I have. They're strange. And I've loved it. So maybe, maybe the Pegasus kid would make sense to them. It, it, yeah, I'm sure there was some relevance. Again, as I mentioned before, uh, he's one of the hardest working wrestlers, yeah. was one of the hardest res- working wrestlers in the business, and uh, he worked his way to the top of the heap in Japan, always with his eye on a return to North America and the now booming professional wrestling business because Vince... McMahon, not oh, yeah. Ed, Mc, Ed McMahon, like I said earlier. Yeah, not Ed McMahon. No. No. Yeah. Oh, although, who knows? Maybe Ed McMahon had his hands in. He had some, he threw some of that McMahon money in there. Right? The publisher's clearinghouse money? Yeah. 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 I don't think that was Ed's actual money. Yeah. Don't shatter my dream. Between wrestling seasons in Japan, uh, Benoit began traveling home to North America to wrestle in the WCW, World Championship Wrestling. In 1992 and 93. So, you know, this isn't very dark yet. Nope. Right? Like, he's succeeding in wrestling. He spends a year, the next year, in extreme championship wrestling, 1994 and 95. There he develops his moniker as a heel. Mm -hmm. So he's a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, And he called himself the Crippler. And later on, he was the Canadian Crippler. Yep. Uh, he developed his signature move, which was the Crippler crossface. So there's lots of Crippler in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be a shame if he actually never crippled any of his uh, competitors. I don't think he actually did. Huh. Not really living up to the name. So hmm. exactly. Yeah, he should be di- disappointed. <laughs> Nothing was going to stop him. He wanted to succeed. Uh, In 1995, Benoit returned to the WCW in a work exchange with Japan Pro Wrestling. Again, the hardworking Benoit was part of the A-stable and became a part of Ric Flair's Four Horsemen. Ric Flair. Woo! Yeah, you know, I never really... Wrestling for me was a, was huge for me when I was very young, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 10, 11, 12, 13. Yeah. But Ric Flair, that was never a time. I was I, His reign, his time was not one where I paid attention. So. Yeah, well, I, was, I, know well, he, I was older than you and I was paying attention. <laughs> I know his thing, like the woo. Yeah. That's about all I know. Uh, so the Four Horsemen played antiheroes oh, too. Okay. The Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. Okay. I think people know who those people are. Absolutely. Yeah. People have seen Hulk Hogan's sex tape, I'm sure. You know, I haven't. You don't want And to. I don't really have the interest. In nope. So part of the storyline included an on-screen feud between Kevin Sullivan, another wrestler, okay. uh, and an affair with Sullivan's on-screen valet and real-life wife, Nancy, who was known only as Woman. Okay. Again, very creative naming there. Yeah. Woman. I'm going to call you friend. Friend? Hey, friend. Hey, friend. Uh, that's, uh, so anyway, interesting. The affair became a real one, as did the feud between Benoit and Kevin <laughs> Sullivan off screen. Uh, yeah. Sullivan blamed Benoit for breaking up his marriage with Nancy in 1997. Mm-hmm. That same year, ben, Chris Benoit and Nancy moved in together on February 25th. Of 2000, their son Daniel was born. In November of 2000, Nancy and Chris Benoit were married. Hmm. 
So they did a little backwards, but yeah. you know, yeah, they made an honest couple of it, I yep. guess. In 2000 was also the year that Benoit left the ECW for the big show called the WWF mm. at the time, yep. World Wrestling Federation. They later named it to, uh, renamed it to the WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, which doesn't quite flow no. as much. But the, that was due to a, a dispute with the World Wildlife Fund. Hmm. Yep. The, the animals won. They did, but not George the Animal Steel. He did not win. Remember that dude? I absolutely, that my era. That's my era. With his hairy back and green tongue. Oh yeah. Oh, he was very hairy. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, I think there was a myth going around that he was uh, some sort of college professor actually. Oh, I would, I could, I could believe it. Like these are characters. Yeah. Yeah. Something tells me that's not true. Come on, man. I could have looked it up, but I didn't. Yeah, if anybody out there wants to do our work for us. Yeah, you if you want to do research us for us, you go right the heck ahead. Comment. In the late spring of 2001, Chris Benoit suffered a near career-ending neck, neck injury. Neck, oh. in, neck injury. Yeah, neck that, injury. Yeah, that required uh, his vertebrae in his cervical spine. Those are the spine in your neck. Yeah. Uh, to be fused together. Oh, wow. Yep. So they put metal in there and fused it all together. Uh, the surgery and resulting recovery time required was almost a year, but Chris Benoit was an intense individual and he was working out pretty much right away. Hmm. As fellow pro wrestler and friend, Chris Jericho, the other Chris, wrestler Chris, I actually used to get these two screwed up. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. Uh, so Chris Jericho said on his own podcast that uh, Benoit didn't do anything halfway and was known to give things 1,000%. It's a lot of percents. It's a lot of percent. Uh, Benoit came back to wrestling uh, with the help of good pa- painkillers, mm-hmm. uh, and he came back with a vengeance in 2002. He won his first intercontinental championship as part of the SmackDown roster. Mm-hmm. Chris Benoit was on his way to the top. He wrestled in numerous pay-per-view events, including 2003 Royal Rumble and WrestleMania 19. But some cracks were starting to show. As the star was rising, the pressure was getting to the shy, somewhat socially awkward Chris Benoit. He was getting older, and he knew this wouldn't last forever. He still hadn't achieved his ultimate pro wrestling goals. Like he, he hadn't gotten the championship. Yeah, and know? this is a, the wrestling life. You know, whether we want to uh, joke about it, it is a tough life. The it constant looks, travel, yeah. the constant training, the constant injuries. It's not. It, it's a very grueling life. We used to yell at Leo Burke, who was a wrestler and no class Bobby Bass outside the. <laughs> arena and call them <laughs> names and stuff because they were the heels oh, and uh, i remember my friend bobby buston uh no class bobby bass said he was going to bash his head in with his cane hmm. yeah wow. and, and bobby told him to go sit in his hat i guess <laughs> wow I, i'm not gonna say what he said to him yeah anyway <laughs> Yeah, so like, the wrestling life is tough. Yeah, so it yeah. does get to you after a while. It, it, it's impossible to not take a toll on you. Absolutely. So uh, Chris and his wife started fighting a lot. Mm. Uh, and Nancy, uh, in 2003, in a big fight, he pushed her against the island in their kitchen. And mm. she was no stranger to uh, this kind of treatment, as this was a third marriage. 
she filed a restraining order against Chris Benoit and also filed for divorce. But she later dropped both those when uh, the two reconciled quite soon afterward. Uh, it's common, and yeah. I, I don't, I, I can't fault people. Yeah, for, it, it's common. It, it's a terrible place to have to be in, yeah. in a household of violence like that. Yeah. Uh, some family and friends had taken notice that uh, Chris Benoit's behavior was getting stranger and more violent um, outside the ring. Mm. Inside the ring, the violence is supposed to be yeah, there, yeah. but uh, it was also outside the ring. And he was also getting paranoid. Oh, I, I read a bit where he, he would drive different ways to get to the, the gym where he was going. Every day, he would just take a different route. Oh, Wow. Because he was thinking people yeah. were following him yeah. and stuff like that. And maybe they were. I mean, he was a famous guy, right? Uh, in 2004, uh, Chris Benoit run the, won the Royal Rumble and went on to wrestle Triple H for the heavyweight title in WrestleMania 20 on March 14th, 2004. Mm. Benoit made Triple H tap out using his signature Crippler crossface. He was now the champion at almost 37 years old. Oh, wow. So he was up there yeah. as far as wrestlers go. Uh, he was at the peak of his career, but his time on top was fleeting. After winning two title defense matches uh, in that same year, 2004, against Kane and Triple H, I remember those guys, Randy Orton dethroned Chris Benoit at SummerSlam on August 15th. Chris Benoit held the lesser title of U.S. champion back in SmackDown, but he was never able to climb back up to the height he had so briefly attained. Mm. His star was starting to dim. And it may have been, you know, management had taken notice of his weird behavior too, right? Yeah, that's you a good know? point. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chris Benoit was becoming depressed and did not want to be around people outside of his family much at all, mm. except when he had to be when yeah. he was wrestling. Uh, to top things off, his friends were starting to die. Oh, no. On November 13th, 2005, Chris Benoit's buddy and fellow wrestler Eddie Guerrero was found unconscious on a hotel room floor in Minneapolis by his nephew Chavo, also a wrestler. Mm. Chavo began CPR right away, but Eddie was most likely dead for some time prior to his being discovered. Uh. Chavo called Chris Benoit uh, even before calling 911. Benoit and Chavo flushed Eddie's steroids down the toilet, which is common practice between wrestlers who find another one deceased. Yeah, I guess that's kind of, uh, you know, when I say, if I die, delete my browser history. Yeah. That's the wrestler version. I guess it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Benoit later said that Eddie was his best friend and somebody he could always confide in, so he was heartbroken. Uh, this event is pointed to by some as the moment where Chris Benoit finally began a spiral into deep depression and grief that he would not escape for the rest of his life and led to eventually the, what he did. Mm -hmm. Just two months after his first massive loss, on January 28, 2006, Victor Mar Manuel, another mentor and friend of Chris Benoit's, died suddenly of a heart attack. He's the guy who trained him in Japan. Oh. Only 19 days after that, Mike Durham, a.k.a. Johnny Grunge, I love some of these names so much, mm -hmm. another wrestling pal of Chris Benoit's died of an overdose of pills. Wow. That's it, a lot of trauma to have to like process after the other, yeah, in, after a, the other. in a few months. Yeah. yeah. At this point, Chris Benoit was feeling destroyed. So many people dying so quickly shook him to the core. Chris kept wrestling, but he felt lonely without his usual traveling companions to lean on. So 
out on the road after the matches, yeah. drinking and yeah. maybe do a little bit of carousing. Yeah. Right. Even though he was making in excess of $500,000 per year, he still wasn't happy. He was feeling disconnected and alone. Things weren't great at home either, obviously, if he's doing that stuff on the road. In the summer of 2006, Nancy Benoit left home to stay in a local hotel for a few days after a huge fight. Mm. In March of 2007, in a call to Chris's mother, Nancy confided that Chris was not doing the right thing on the road. Oh, interesting. Nancy was sure Chris was cheating on her. Margaret, Chris's mom, promised to have a chat with him that summer when he traveled home to Edmonton. Mm. Chris eventually lost his last WWE title match to Montel Vontavious Porter, a.k.a. MVP, in May of 2007. He was on his way out. Mm. Benoit's life was unraveling. He'd always claim that his family was his weak spot and his vice. And I thought that was weird that he would say his family was a vice. Yeah. You know? Anyway. Yeah. Text messages from Nancy to Chris were telling a different story that maybe family wasn't that important to him. Chris had not returned calls to his son, Daniel, who had called him multiple times while Benoit was on the road. I have some... Uh, listen to the, some of the voicemails of his son talking. I just thought that was way too sad to add to the oh, podcast. So I the just, thought of it, it makes my I, heart uh, break. Yeah, because his son is saying, I miss you, daddy. And oh, all my the, God. All this kind of stuff, oh. especially considering what we're coming up on. Oh, that is terrible. As well, uh, Chris Benoit's children from Edmonton were in town visiting, but Chris had not seen them yet. Uh, so Nancy texted him, I'll not accept the steroid induced roller coaster ride of emotional abuse. Ignoring the problem or running away isn't going to help you face it. You need professional help. There you yeah. go. Good wife. Yeah. Accurate. Yeah. She also texts, You are a grown man with three kids, uh, and the example you're trying to set is that you grew up watching your dad call your mom names and make her cry. No then what gives you the right? So obviously that's what he was doing to her. Yeah. Grow up for mighty sakes. I've never heard from mighty sakes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, get off the stuff. It's obvious. I'm probably not the only one who can see. And we both know the WWE wellness program is a joke. Mm. Wow. That's, uh, mm -hmm. we'll talk about I'm that. I'm sure not taken well by the WWE, but no. wow. But yeah. Chris had been seeing a psychologist as part of this program, uh, but Nancy felt that he needed more help. They argued too about money. Obviously, when P when couples are arguing, they argue about money a lot. Absolutely. Uh, Chris's uh, beneficiary for his $250,000 life insurance policy was still Martina, his ex-wife, and their, his two children from uh, that marriage. Oh, I could see why Nancy would be upset about that. Yes, absolutely. I'd be upset about that. Yeah. Nancy admitted to a friend that she was drinking and taking pills to cope with the stress of her marriage to Chris Benoit, who yeah. was also doing the same things. That poor lady. On June 11th of 2007, it appeared to the public that Chris Benoit had left the WWE for his old home, uh, the ECW, in a draft. But in reality, he was being forced out. Uh, the text message uh, fight between Chris and Nancy Benoit continued. Hmm. On June 18th, Nancy told her friend that Chris Benoit was abusive. Aww. He was picking fights out of thin air. She also said she had a bad feeling and that if anything happened to her, that it was Chris Benoit who had done it. Oh, to be in a place where you're, where you're saying that things are bad. 
Yeah, and this oh, is also like oh, four days before things actually happened. Oh, this poor lady. Oh, uh, Chris Benoit's oh. last wrestling match was June 19th, 2007. He won. Hmm. On June 22nd, he went to see his psychologist. He gave no indication that he was about to do the horrible things he would do only hours later. And I have a picture of him from that day that his psychologist took of him that I'll post in our show notes. Really? Yeah. I wanted the psychiatrist to take a photo of. I guess he just wanted to. I don't know. As I have been yeah. to many. But it doesn't give any indication on the guy's face what he was about to do. Uh, oh, so here's where, here's where it all went wrong. At some point... Uh, that night, on June 22nd, 2007, Chris Benoit subdued his wife on their bed, tied her hands behind her back with a coaxial cable. Oh. Yep. Benoit then wrapped another cable around Nancy's neck. Putting all his weight on her, he drove his knee into her back and strangled his wife to death. He left a Bible beside her. So, here's this wrestler... And, like, she's, like, a little person. Yeah. You know, like a, she wasn't a, she was a wrestler herself, but she wasn't a large woman. Yeah. Oh, man. Yep. Poor, poor girl. The, the timeline over the next three days isn't entirely known. Uh, Chris Benoit made phone calls and uh, text messages to his friends and said some weird things in text messages and... Uh, he said that he wouldn't be able to make the, the flight to go away for the next wrestling event. And he lied to his neighbor um, that uh, Daniel and Nancy had food poisoning and the whole family was taking it easy that day. Mm. So that's why Nancy couldn't come to the phone, I guess. There's also a, such a strong indication of premeditation in there. Yep. Well, at least... Trying to cover it up. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's not entirely known when seven-year-old Daniel Benoit died. It's thought that it was on Saturday morning. So the morning after his mother was murdered, Daniel was sedated heavily with Xanax before he died. And he may have even been unconscious when he was killed. The cause of Daniel's death is horrific. Due to the bruising on Daniel's body, police believe that Chris Benoit applied a modified version of his finishing move, the Crippler, to the boy who died of asphyxiation in his father's sick embrace. Oh, my God. Like, I... Yeah, I don't have many words. I mean, that... I. Nope. <sighs> poor child. Yep. I'm poor... According to uh, uh, the book Chris and Nancy by Irvin Muchnick, at 3.49 p.m. on Saturday, Chris Benoit did a Google search for the word Elijah. Coincidentally, uh, that was the first name of Elijah Burke, the last wrestler uh, Benoit had been in a match with on the 19th of June. It is an odd coincidence. Yeah. Uh, at 4.02, Chris Benoit clicked on a page about Elijah the Prophet. And this is from Muchnick's book. Uh, the New Testament book of Kings, chapter 17, tells the story of Elijah being sent to a widow. And uh, the son of the widow dies, and Elijah takes the child from his bed uh, and stretches the child out, you know, on his own bed. Elijah pleads to God to restore the, bo the boy's soul to his body. Yahweh listened to 
to the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, Behold, your son lives. The woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of Yahweh is in your mouth is truth. Uh, yeah, that, there's so much. Um, in there, right? Yeah, there, there's so much to unpack in there. Uh, but it was clear, like... If you think about it, what he what he's doing, he's probably feeling guilty about what he's done. Well, it's, again, there's always the remorse. Uh, not always. There's typically the remorse uh, felt when is a family a familicide. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. but there. But also, it's almost like so he's putting himself in Elijah's shoes and kind of uh, making himself to be this uh, hero, almost like I, I'm going to save my kid. Yeah. The fact that he left another Bible beside his kid is like, it indicates to me that he was feeling a lot of remorse and guilt. Yeah, and he's probably justified what he's doing in his head by I'm sending them to God. They're yeah. going to be with God. I'm, I'm, yeah. good. I'm giving them peace in a way to kind of justify uh, these horrible things he did. And they were horrible. Yeah. Uh, so, Chris Benoit himself was found by police on the afternoon of Monday, June 25th, 2007. They'd been sent to the house to complete a welfare check on the Benoit family as Chris had not shown up for work. Mm. Obviously, if a, if an entertainer doesn't show up for work, the show must go on, so they had to replace him with somebody yeah. in, in the moment. Yeah. But uh, anyway, the same neighbor that he had lied to uh, had entered the house at the same time she took care of their dogs while, uh, oh. you know, for the police because the dogs were barking. And uh, she found Nancy and Daniel dead in their respective beds, but she was afraid to go into the basement. And apparently it was very stinky in there uh, because of the uh, smell of decomposition. Well, this poor lady having to yeah. so see this. Police were the ones who went into the basement, and there they found Chris Benoit also dead. He'd hung himself from his weight machine and he made uh, sort of a weird contraption out of weights and cables and put it around his own neck in a configuration that ensured maximum force applied to his neck as quickly as possible. So, mm. yeah, that's how he killed himself. Mm. A large empty bottle of wine laid next to him. Another Bible was on his weight machine nearby. Later on, Chris Benoit's father, Michael, said he had a handwritten notation in there saying, I'm preparing to leave this earth. You're a fucking coward is what you are. Yeah. The news media got a hold of the story, and it quickly spread like wildfire. Even Benoit's family in Canada heard it on the news before receiving official word. Oh, that's terrible. Right? Like, you know, yesterday... At this recording yesterday was when uh, the seventeen kids were shot in Florida. Yeah, and that was a that was a terrible thing. But typically, the news will refrain from giving names of people until it's been reported officially by the police. Yeah. But interestingly, I think it is because how salacious it is that it is an actual famous person. Yeah. That they will say yes, this is that guy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
So they all want to get ahead of everybody else, and they will they will out that a famous person has passed away. Well, even before his family or her family can be notified. Yeah, it's tragic. Yeah, it's tragic. It also speaks to uh, uh, how without conscience sometimes the media can be. Yeah, and I'm hoping we're not we we're not lumped into that ever. Well, everything we talk about has already happened. So right. I don't think we're <laughs> yeah. spoiling anything. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, so anyway, um, his dad frantically called the house, mm. hoping that a police officer would pick up and tell them what was going on. Nobody picked up. Mm. They would have to wait until later that evening to learn that their son was dead. According to an affidavit obtained by uh, the DEA, uh, from the DEA by the smoking gun dot com in two thousand seven, and now this is interesting. Benoit was an excessive purchaser of injectable steroids who, over the past year, was prescribed a ten month supply of anabolic steroids every three to four weeks by a Georgia doctor. Holy shit! Right, so ten month supply every three to four weeks. Wow! So if he's not using it, is he selling wow. it? Or is he providing it to friends? Or? I don't think it's what's the benefit of him selling it. He's, he's wealthy. Right? Making yeah. 500 grand a year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, so here's one of the theories. Uh, so it was heavily reported for a time that Chris Benoit's son, Daniel, was born with Fragile X Syndrome. And Fragile X Syndrome is a genetic condition that causes a range of developmental problems, including learning disabilities and cognitive impairment, and actually small in stature as well. Mm-hmm. It was presumed that Chris Benoit had been injecting Daniel with human growth oh, hormones God. as a treatment for Fragile X. However, hmm. uh, toxicology results on Daniel debunked this theory. Oh, good. And Daniel's Fragile X diagnosis was also suspect. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Chris Jericho talked about that uh, early on. He was one of the ones who talked about Fragile X syndrome initially. Mm-hmm. And then he backed off on that later on. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's one of the things that the media, again, grabbed a hold of was this Fragile X thing to make it more salacious that, you know, it's not bad enough that a a young child is choked out by his father, his wrestler father. It has to be a child who was developmentally delayed as well because it makes it worse. And if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. Yeah. So it sells more, uh, sells more Tide Pods for people to eat. (laughs) Interesting combination. Yeah, I'm sorry I had to go there. You did. Chris Benoit uh, did have elevated levels of testosterone in his own system and is presumed that this was to combat testicular damage he had suffered after years of steroid abuse, <laughs> which was also indicated in his autopsy, which I read his autopsy papers. I have that and I'll post that in our show notes oh, as wow. well. Um, Two boxes of testosterone, 200 milligrams, were in fact found in the house by police. Nancy Benoit's sister, Sandra Toffolini, felt it was more than just steroids. And on Chris Jericho's podcast, she said, I think that it, drug abuse, was, was a huge contributing factor to what happened. The autopsy said so. I had seen it prior to that. The alcohol and medication not just the steroids, but everything else that had been going on. It was a huge factor. Mm. So all, you know, in fact, po- 
police found a lot of other drugs in the Benoit home. And this is also from Much, Muchnick's book, Chris and Nancy. Um, there were there was carisoprodol, which is soma, a, a muscle relaxer, lorset, hydrocodone, a, nat, a narcotic pain reliever. And we know the, the problems that has caused mm. over the past years. Alprazolam, Alprazolam, Xanax. It's easier to just say Xanax. Which is used to treat anxiety and panic disorders. Naproxen, an anti-inflammatory drug. Ambien, a sedative or sleeping drug. And sertaline or Zoloft and Cymbalta, both antidepressants. So that's that's quite a mix of things for... It, it's an extreme amount of, I mean... It, for people to be putting into their systems. I mean, we don't know if they were all taken in combination, but there's a, there's some mixes in there that are just, shouldn't happen. Yeah. They just shouldn't happen. Well, Nancy, uh, the toxicology results for her... Uh, they weren't as conclusive as they could have been because she had been decomposing for a couple mm, of days prior yeah. to being found. But they did find her al uh, blood alcohol level to be 0.18. So she was quite drunk. Mm -hmm. uh, also present was hydrocodone and Xanax in therapeutic levels. So you've got painkillers, you've got alcohol, and you've got uh, anti-anxiety medication in one person. Mm-hmm all at the same time and not recommend it, right? Then we don't know if Chris Benoit administered all that to her to calm her down or may, did they get drunk together? What happened? We don't know because mm -hmm. nobody really knows what happened. Yeah. Uh, these same drugs were found in Chris Benoit's system as well in the same levels, but and he was also drunk when he was, Yeah. he did himself in. Uh, Chris Benoit's dad, Michael, agreed to have Chris's brain released to uh, Chris Nowinski, a former wrestler who heads up the Sports Legacy Institute, and they study the effects of brain concussions on wrestlers and other athletes. Yeah. My cousin Peter actually is uh, a psychologist at the University of Waterloo, and he also studies this. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, he's written a paper on how oxygen, uh, if you exercise immediately immediately after a brain injury like a concussion your brain will rebound faster oh it's interesting and and that's the activity of oxygen more ox oxygen to the brain mm -hmm. so, oh, okay oh. yeah but anyway uh when uh chris benoit was alive he was friends with nowinski and he told him that he had had more concussions than he could remember and uh, he said that his brain would be a perfect specimen for this study at some point. Mm. So, yeah. So Michael Benoit, Chris's dad, agreed that, yeah, let's send it here. Yeah. So they wanted to determine if Chris had suffered from CTE or chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And apparently the only way they can really tell is to physically examine your brain. That's what I've heard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, it's been, uh, it was popularized recently by that Will Smith movie, Concussion, yeah. and, and there's been a lot of like 2020 and those kind of things on it. Yeah. So what CTE is, it's a neuro, neurogen, neurogenerative disease found in people who have had multiple head injuries. Symptoms may include behavioral problems, mood problems like anger and depression, and problems with thinking. This typically does not begin until years after the injuries. 
It also gets worse over time and can result in dementia. Mm. It's unclear if the risk of suicide is altered, but as depression is a side effect, it yeah. does follow that it might be elevated. Yeah. And mm. upon examination, guess what? He had CTE. Chris Benoit's brain was found to be the worst case of CTE they had ever seen. Wow. Up to that, up until that point. Wow. And interestingly, the media didn't really report that much. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I remember CTE being a part of the discussion. I don't remember hearing the severity of what he was found to yeah. be diagnosed with. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, wow. this could definitely have contributed along with steroid, drug, and alcohol use or abuse yeah. uh, to create the kind of brain where believing the murder of your family is the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean... It's like a combination un- of things. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable with a lot of... Uh, a lot of I'll, I'll talk about it at the end. No, you can talk about it now. Well, it... I, I'm uncomfortable with all, I'm conflicted throughout this story because uh, there's a lot to empathize with in regards to him, in regards yeah. to uh, a very damaged individual, mm-hmm. physically, mentally suffering from. But he did some monstrous uh, things at the end. And, you know, and uh, part of me gets uncomfortable with things like CTE and depression and whatnot because it's all—it almost can sound like it's be—it's be, a justification for what he's done. Well, let's. And here's, so, I, let me finish. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. So uh, here's here's the thing. Yeah. The doctor said, the specialist said, yeah, that. If Benoit had gotten treatment earlier, he could have avoided further injury and his brain might have recovered. So there's where his responsibility for this lies. He knew that he was getting sick. He knew that he was having problems. He was talking to the guys from this institute. Yeah. So he knew that this was a problem. Yeah, but I, and, and there's another, like, I can, you know, so I remember talking there, to you about, you know, my bouts with depression and how you, it it's tough because you'll know what needs to be done to get better. So he would know that, but you can't. you're unable to, because it's the thing that you need yeah. to rely on yeah, is the thing that's broken. Exactly. That's the way I explained it to you, I think, when you were really having a rough time is yeah. that, that you are trying to fix the the thing that's broken with the tool that is broken. Yeah. Which it makes it extremely yeah. difficult to, so. <sighs> but yeah, there you go. But th- so there were actions that he actually could have taken. Yeah. And, you know, he told his dad he didn't want to retire. He was making too much money. It was too attractive for him to stay for in sure. the wrestling game. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Michael Benoit, Chris's father, uh, said in an ABC News piece about Chris Benoit's CTE, he said the following. Everyone is pointing to steroids and drug abuse. It's my feeling now that it's much more than that, that it's brain injury that has been causing these problems in the wrestling community. So over the years uh, since Benoit's death, he's been effectively removed from all archival footage by the WWE. They don't even speak his name. Yeah, understandable uh, in my you opinion. You know, Vince McMahon said he he was a monster. Yeah. Um, you know... Wrestlers continue to die way too young. And here's yeah. the thing. So this is where, this is what gets me. 
is where is the responsibility of these wrestling organizations or the NFL or the NHL, all of these places that can do something to prevent these traumatic brain injuries that rarely would lead to a murder, right? Yeah. yeah. Maybe there was psychological things going on with Chris Benoit that we aren't privy to, Yeah. you know? Uh, maybe there are other things in his life that led him to be that kind of person, but it's interesting how it was this perfect cocktail of things that... And you, you even remove the component of uh, violence and whatnot. Like, the individual themselves, like, when you look... Because it, it's, it's massive. CTE is a huge uh, concern yep. now. You got the NFL... We talked about that concussion movie. Yeah, uh, you've got uh, UFC, MMA. You yeah, know, it, it's being it's being talked about quite a bit in, in the MMA world. You look at guys like Gary Goodridge, uh, one of the uh, old school guys from Canada, but like he's dealing with some pretty serious life altering effects uh, from brain trauma. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's but a lot of these organizations uh, and leagues. Are going to be reluctant. They're going to be resistant and reluctant because why is that, Scott? Well, because it means that sport has to change. When you start to say yes, uh, wrestling is going to damage your highly likely to damage your brain. Getting bonked over the head with a chair. Yeah, you, you remove these components. You remove tackles from football. Right. You remove striking from MMA and boxing. What, you, you, what are we watching? Then? Exactly. Yeah. And so there's going to be a reluctance and, you know, part of it conscience, conscious, sure. Part of it also uh, lying to yourself for sustainability's sake as an organization. Sure, it's that whole, it was a really big check and I could, you know, it's like psychopaths at the level of CEO kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so um, I want to be optimistic and, and say that... Uh, um, We'll, we'll combat this, and we will. There will we will find ways to combat. You are seeing the NFL implementing a lot of uh, uh, new concussion protocols and whatnot. But the reality is, to prevent these things, you prevent high impact. Yeah, and that's you know that's not going to happen. Pretty boring. Yeah, you know, as as a, a die hard MMA fan, you know, selfishly, I don't want to see that. I, I want. I, I don't want to see that become patty cake. Yeah, fair enough. You know, and so, but yeah, it's. It, I guess it gets to a whole greater culture issue. What do we want? Uh, are we going to allow these things to be taking place for our entertainment? Yeah. You know. Yep. So before we go, we have seven new patrons. That's great, uh, great. And our Patreon to give shout outs to. Uh, Jackie L., Thank you very much for your pledge. Thanks, Jackie. I don't know where you're from because uh, typically people have to leave like a, uh, an address after the two, $2 level. So I, yeah. that's how I know where everybody's from. But uh, Stalker. But, yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah, Jackie, let us know where you're from. Just send me a message on, on Patreon and we'll, we'll give you another shout out. Oh. A proper one. Oh, what is she's not from Earth? I'm certain that she is. If our podcast is, is, is playing in Venus, it's not showing up on our uh, stats. But, but they talk about growth as a podcast. We've actually done pretty well. There's podcasts that are nominated for awards yeah. in the Canadian Podcasting Awards. Yeah. 
uh, who that they have uh, far fewer downloads than every episode of ours. And you know, you know what I'm going to attribute it to? What's that? My gentleman voice. <sighs> Thank you to Erica B from North uh, North Vancouver. Uh, she helped us with the music from our Halifax explosion episode, and she's also active in our uh, closed group. Yeah, Erica. Erica's awesome. Yeah, she's she's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Like I was super surprised that she reached out to us and and offered to get that music for us because it turned out. Pretty cool. Yeah, and I've had some chats with her. She's just an awesome person. Cool. Yeah, big fan of hers. Uh, thank you to Key S from Encino, California. Like Encino Man. Wow. We yeah. got it. Wow. She wowed us with her pledge coming in at more than our top level of 10 bucks. What? Right? That is so awesome. And I, I was messaging with her today. Yeah. And I told her that we were going to give her her shout out today. And, and she said, uh, don't be too quick to thank me because every podcast that I, I endorse ends up falling on its face horribly. Which is probably what's going to We're going to buck the trend. Well, yeah. We're going to well, buck that. Well, we have a lot of female re- listeners and we may not have any because we just talked about wrestling for a whole <laughs> Don't worry, the next episode, it's it's all going to be about Ryan Gosling. Oh, God. It's just going to be a puff piece of Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. And- we're actually just going to play the audio recording of The Notebook. The, no, oh, yeah. no, we're not. Yeah, the women, they'll come back. <sighs> will they? Yeah, the wrestling ones who left from wrestling will come back. for. So we're sorry about this wrestling episode. I mean, I thought because, well, okay, I'll give some background. We had another episode. Yes. And I'm not going to say why we're, we we didn't do it, but uh, out of sensitivity, we decided not yeah. to do that. Yeah. We, yeah. we. Yeah. It was just, I felt after, after some communication I had with somebody, I thought it would be a very insensitive thing to proceed with that. Yeah. Episode. We, we, we try our, our damnedest to always respect the victims. We, we and joke their around. Families, yeah. Absolutely. We joke around. We have some fun. Again, it's the juxtaposition of you either laugh or you cry. And we want to bring I want to some people. levity to the tragedy. We don't want to be a dreary thing. Yeah. We're not emo. Well, not fully emo. You and, haven't seen Scott's hairdo. Oh, that's not emo. That's just disheveled. Uh, but we, you know, we try, we try and try and try so hard to make sure that we are never belittling, making yeah. fun of, insulting the yeah. victims. Uh, we we don't mind going after uh, the the perpetrators, the criminals, yeah. because uh, they're typically disgusting pieces of shit. But we try to make sure that we respect the families mm-hmm. incredibly. So if we run into situations where uh, the right thing to do is to hold off on a podcast. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll give that some serious consideration. Maybe we will do that episode one day. Yep. Uh, but I just, out of consideration for that person, I just thought this isn't the right time. Yeah. I had some uh, conversation with uh, with Beck, uh, who's uh, the wife of Tyler of Minds of Madness, and, and she really helped me get some perspective on it. Oh, so, good. Yeah, she was very helpful yeah. with that. So thank you, Beck. And Mind of Madness, uh, they are uh, nominated for the Canadian Podcasting Awards as well. And they're nominated in pretty much every friggin' category there is. So uh, go and vote for them because they are great. They are awesome. We weren't nominated, but whatever. 
we're, we're babies. We're babies. We're babies. But yeah, go vote for them. Vote Do for it. Them. Yeah, and and Christy from uh, from the Canadian True Crime podcast is nominated in the same category as 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 Tyler and Beck's podcast, fight, The Mind fight, of Madness. Fight, yeah. fight, so, fight. Yeah, I think they're probably voting for each other because they're that cool. Yeah, they're yeah. probably they are those. Yeah, kind of, both of them are those kind of people. So, yeah. So yeah. So we hope that you guys win and the other guys don't. Well, I don't know. I, everybody wins. It's Canada. It's Canada. <laughs> and we'll apologize for losing. Yes, exactly. Or winning. Right, exactly. Uh, so also, thank you to Jessica G. Uh, from South River, Ontario for becoming a patron. Thank you, Jessica. Uh, to Kyla B. also from Toronto. Oh, thanks, I'm Kyla. very surprised with all the maple leaf slagging that we've done that anybody from that area would pledge to us. Well, but that's how how much the maple leaves are loath that even people in maple leaf territory loathe them. So next is Scott going to be told to F off. <laughs> so also, also thanks to Joanna B from Melanchthon, Ontario. I really hope I pronounced that right. If I butchered it, you can leave a message at darkpoutine.com slash message with the correct, correct. Oh my God. I can't even pronounce pronunciation. Pronunciation. I just did, actually. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot to Megan B. from Decatur, Georgia. I like to say Decatur. I love the name Decatur, Georgia. I really I don't do know like what it. it is, but it's yeah. always... She also came in at our top level of support. So, so awesome. Thank you to Megan B. from Decatur. Decatur. Are uh, you going... Is Georgia close to Tennessee? It is, isn't it? I'll say yes. Yeah. It's Southern. Sure. Yeah. So uh, maybe, Megan, if you're going to CrimeCon, I'm going too. Come say hi to me. Scooter here isn't going, but, uh, you know. I got... I he's got, at home making body pillows. <laughs> I got a brood to... to uh, of spiders? Raise. No, no. Spiders. No, there's been enough spider talk today on our... Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, on our, our, our group. No. We don't need any more spiders. No. I don't like spiders. But I just like... I want it one more time. Decatur. Decatur. Yeah. Decatur, Georgia. So, and Peoria. <laughs> that was that other one that we... <laughs> I remember. Right? Pretty so, appropriate joke included. Thank you so much for your pledges. We really appreciate it. We do. Uh, I am planning on more content for Patreon subscribers coming up once things settle down at my day job very soon. My day, <laughs> my day job is, is about to settle down very, very much. <laughs> I don't know when that's going to happen, but uh, it should be soon. Um, and I will have a lot more time on my hands. Voluntary. Yes. It's voluntary time I on your hands. I am a very, very lucky person. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, yes, podcast fans, you are going to get a lot more poutine, I do believe. Mm -hmm. And so, especially our Patreon folks, you will, you will be getting uh, some extra stuff. You're going to get full of mic. Well, I don't know that. I don't think that is even appropriate. <laughs> so yeah. if, if you want to donate to us, even after this horribly <laughs> hacky job at Patreon shoutouts, uh, you can do so at <laughs> patreon.com slash dark poutine, or you can send us donut money uh, via PayPal uh, at our email, dark podcast at gmail.com. And we will seriously buy, buy donuts. Yep. You can, we'll send you photos. <laughs> send photos of Scott with like <laughs> donuts. donuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He, 
he I'll needs more donuts. We'll do it. Uh, check out our website, www.darkpoutine.com for show notes and for other cool stuff. Uh, if you have any stories, ideas, questions, comments, or just want to say hi, you can leave us uh, an email at darkpoutinepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave us an internet voicemail from your PC or your Mac or whatever, but not your phone because apparently it doesn't work by your phone at darkpoutine.com slash message, like I mentioned above. And that's our uh, speak pipe. And we'll play it on a future episode. So if you leave us a message, we will play it, just like we did uh, Adam's. I wonder if our Twitter fan, maybe he's got a message for you, (laughs) an audio message he'll leave for you. Everybody but him. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be a short message. It would be two (laughs) words and one of them is off. Yeah. Hey, Mike Brown. F off. Yeah. That that was his message. Yeah. I probably, uh, it was the Mark Twitchell episode, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. You did go hard on, on Edmonton but and I, the, the oilers. I, coilers. I'm, I'm kidding. Like, I honestly think that all of the Canadian teams are great. You're just kissing ass now. Nah, yeah, You're yeah. just kissing ass. I don't ass. really. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. The Leafs suck and the Edmonton Oilers don't, you know, they're doing their thing. And I hate the Flames. The flames. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you can <laughs> follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Dark Poutine and tell your friends about us. Especially fun is our, we've mentioned, is our closed Facebook group. So, if you like weird gifts, you can come there and you can see some weird gifts. And Scott and I are both active there. Uh, so, if you ever want to come and, and, and chat then we kind of hang out there. Well, being gainfully unemployed, I I have uh, buckets of time. Buckets of time. To, uh, to, to gif, gif it up. Gif it up. Uh, you, you can subscribe to us on your podcast, your favorite <laughs> podcast directory, like iTunes, Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. And at our host, Podbean. If you have any issues listening to it, reach out to us. We'll see what we can do to Absolutely. Because some people have said, I, it doesn't yep. work for us or whatever. And there's always another way. Yep. Yep. Just reach out and we'll help you out. We will even email you an episode if you really want it that badly and nothing else works. I will email you an MP3. We will we will bring donuts to your home. Don't sit down that. in front of a fireplace there goes, at night. There goes all our Patreon. And, and it's just it's nice. It's those lovely. are those are our fifty thousand dollar contributors. Yes, we'll get yeah, we'll, we'll get airfare. That. You know, right? Even if you're in Vancouver, if, so if you I'm still in, flying. If you come in at fifty thousand dollars, we're coming to your house with donuts yeah yeah i actually would do that good god i would do that if somebody gave us 50 grand i would so go to their house with donuts yeah we and we I would give them i would give them a a toque a toque i would hand yeah. them a double double yeah and an nanaimo bar yes so they could scarf down some actual dark and we could all we could all sit on a bare rug in front of a fireplace at night and eat donuts while listening to the podcast the, yep for 50,000 but that's all it's all it costs, folks. I think we're about to become millionaires, Mike. $50,000, and we're coming to your house. Millionaires. Oh, we could even... Wait a minute. We don't even have to, like, uh, uh, play the podcast. We'll do the podcast. Yeah, but you can't edit me live. No, no. I mean, like, not record it. Like, a, a personal podcast for them. Well, that's what I'm saying. That like, would mean that I would have to read and not be an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, good luck. For 50 grand? Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think you could do it. I'll do it. Okay. 
So lots of you have left five-star reviews and comments on iTunes. We still have that one four-star review that just kind of put a little bug up my butt. It's interesting how I, like, people are so nice. They've all, so many people have given us those five-star reviews, and I focus on that one. That's how life is, man. Uh, That's how life is. Anyway, every little bit helps. We appreciate anybody who is still listening even after our idiocy. Get that fireplace warmed up. Get that fireplace warmed up and send us $50,000. Oh, my gosh. Maybe Bill Gates is a listener and he wants us to curl up with him. And Well, I, you know, I hate... There is a specific Bill Gates price, though. I don't want to know what yeah, that it's, is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's substantially higher. Oof. Yeah. Every little bit helps. It does. Thanks, folks. Don't forget to be a good egg and not a bad apple. Thank you for letting us fill your ears with some more dark poutine. Bye-bye. Bye.